What's going on, everyone? This is Kyron, also known as Rich, whatever your preference is for the day. Before we get rolling into this week's episode, somewhere in the middle, there's a gap where there's like 10 seconds of no audio. Like you won't hear the gap like audibly. There won't be silence. But we're, we were talking about um, and when I say we, I mean myself and the incredible Rachel, like shout out to Ray P. But we were talking about uh, the Nathan, excuse me, the Nathan and Issa sex scene and Rachel made a reference to TLC saying sex is a weapon. And then she said, shout out to house party because anybody who's seen house party three knows that they played a group called sex is a weapon. So when you hear us talking and then you randomly hear a shout out to house party, that's why, because that reference was in there. But for some reason it is not in the final episode. Those 10 seconds just kind of got lost. Episode still flows though. I just didn't want anybody out there thinking that they missed something or go back to rewind. Definitely just a technical error. Um, But outside of that, Rachel and myself had a great time recording this episode, and we definitely look forward to the feedback. Appreciate y'all listening as always. Remember to like, listen, subscribe, and share. With that being said, enjoy this week's episode. What's going on, good people? Rich here. Ray here, and welcome to Season 5, Episode 6, Tire, Okay? Fuck Lavender, get them oils to Nathaniel's soft ass. (laughs) (laughs) hey well we gotta have a Suge conversation this episode that definitely has to be discussed 1000 percent. Suge is out of control Suge hey listen it must be something in the name (laughs) Suge's be out of control (laughs) we'll uh (laughs) yo you gotta chill um we'll get We'll get into that at some point, but definitely good to be back. Definitely glad to have everybody back listening to us. Thank you for your continued support. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We love y'all so much. Yeah, like I'm, I'm like it's been growing every week. The community's growing. I'm, I'm really humbled by it. I know Rachel is too. Like y'all really don't like, like we really put some work into it. We put a lot of conversation, a lot of thought into it. So for y'all to react the way y'all have been and giving us the feedback that you have, it's been incredible. We definitely it has. It. And geek to listen, the amount of text messages. Have y'all recorded yet? What time is the show going to be available? Yeah, let that, me know. Send me, let me know when the link posts. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I'm sending personal, you know, personal links and everything. Like it's it's real. I man, I can't say enough about it. I know Ray. I'm sure you feel the exact same way. Absolutely. But yeah, we got a new episode, like you just mentioned, Tired, and I'm not going to do the... Um, okay. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Mm-hmm, I got you. Directed by Natasha Rothwell. Yes. Come on, Kelly. <laughs> Rachel, I think I think both of us can talk... We can do a whole episode about Natasha Rothwell because we're such big fans of her. Um, there's a really good article in LA Times that I sent you today about her and her directorial debut, which is this mm-hmm. episode of Insecure. Um, I'll make sure I tweet the link to everybody, but it had a lot of good, you know, gems and knowledge about Natasha Rothwell that I wasn't even aware of. Yeah, I wasn't hip to uh, her SNL background or anything. So shout out to her. Yeah, definitely. And just being where she is, just one of those stories just about, man, just keep believing in yourself and put yourself, make sure you're ready for the things that are coming your way. Absolutely. But yeah, it was incredible. So it's fitting. Go ahead. My bad. Oh, no. I was just going to say shout out to Natasha. Yeah. Um, and just a note, she did actually write one of both of our favorite episodes, which was uh, Loki Happy. 
Yeah, I didn't know that until today. And, <laughs> and that's like I said, that's our that's my favorite episode for sure. Um, but tired, okay. I mean, it's a fitting title episode because I, I think when you reach your 30s, I think that's when you finally realize what it's like to be tired, um, uh-huh. mentally, physically, the whole nine. You get what I'm saying? Like, emotionally, you know? I feel like I'm in a perpetual state of exhaustion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it just kind of comes out of nowhere. There's no warning signs for it. It just kind of creeps up on you. You know right. what I mean? And you're just kind of stuck in this loop. And sometimes you find yourself overthinking, and you just everything that's going on in life just seems to be draining. And you kind of get in a cycle where you sit down and you assess it more, and you just rack your brain with it more. Um, I think the 30s are the first time you really take an extended amount of time analyzing the choices that you made to get where you are. You know what I mean? In your 30s, I mean, 20s, you're an adult, quote, unquote. But like your 30s, you're grown, grown. um, And you're dealing with some of the consequences of your actions or decisions in your 20s. And even uh, your 30s as we creep up on that halfway point. (laughs) That's real. Because a lot of... It's real. Yeah, because you kind of, you start realizing, man, the, the things that felt like they happened yesterday you start realizing it happened 15 years ago. Exactly. And then you look like, exactly. damn, like, has it really been that long? And, and that's those thoughts start creeping up on you. And we're not talking about the hypothetical ones, not the, you know, I wonder what it would have been like if, you know, I went to this school versus this school. Not that we're talking about the real life decision like we see in this episode um, that Issa's dealing with, that Nathan's dealing with, Molly's dealing with, all types of decisions of am I doing the right thing? Am I in the right position? Um, am I where I'm where I thought I was going to be? And it's just going to be an interesting episode to break down and look into. So as we always get into um, with our episodes, what did you think about this week? I actually liked it. (laughs) (laughs) I liked it. Don't say it like that, man. Don't like that. (laughs) No, 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 no. You know. Um, (laughs) I liked it from the jump because it had not the most action we've seen. I think I'm going to still give that to um, episode three. Yeah, absolutely. But um, I felt like the storylines flowed better, even the uh, various B and C plots. Um, Still don't care too much about Nathan and confused about why he's getting so much here in the end. But, you know, uh, I'm sure there's a plan. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be a setup for something. I, yeah, but um, I thought it was good. I'm surprised. Well, I'm not really surprised, but people will be surprised who know me that my quote wasn't fuck them kids because forever. Fuck them kids. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's one of my favorite quotes ever. That's, that's, that's up there, like top five. Top five. Shout out to uh, MJ. <laughs> Shout out to MJ, man. That's real. <laughs> um, but but it was good. The writing was done really well. Um, this episode was written by Grace Edwards. And I think she's written some other um, episodes in the series. It was good to see. I was happy to see that Issa didn't actually stop and talk to Lawrence and Condola in that damn baby. I was so happy that that was Hold on, a daydream. Me. Can I pause? So, Absolutely. did you think that was real? I did. From really? The what, what? All right. So I I knew from jump that wasn't real. There was just no way that that was gonna happen. I just that was just me. There's no signs. There's no telltale sign. I just knew as a, a viewer 
watching as much insecure and how many daydream sequences they have. I'm like, she is, this isn't going to play out like this if she walked up on them. Even though yeah. it's very believable in the way they set it up. Um, but I think what confirmed it is when Condola asked her if she wanted to hold the baby. I'm like, oh, this definitely ain't real. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I knew yeah. I knew that that wasn't a thing by then. But okay. just her initial weight, that awkward hold up, okay. that okay. stare down, I was like, oh, shit, bitch. Don't fucking do it. Let these niggas go in about their business with that fucking baby. But yeah, um, I, I misread it. I, that makes perfect sense. You didn't. Yeah. You didn't. It's not like you were watching the whole scene thinking it was fake. You were thinking like, oh man, she really about to turn around and talk to them. Exactly. Got you. Exactly. Got you. That makes perfect sense. I got yeah. you. Yeah. So I was so happy um, that she did not actually do that, and I also was extremely delighted in her giggle as she threw that baby after hey. uh, she came to. Because I felt like Issa was channeling me. <laughs> that was that was one of the funniest parts of the episode. It was. That was really that that giggle, as you mentioned, that was one of the funniest parts of me. The opening dream sequence was the funniest scene so far in the season for me. Yes. I mean, laugh out loud comedy for me. It was hilarious. I, I've I've watched that scene since Sunday night an embarrassingly amount of times. Yeah, I definitely rewound it more like, than once. And more than twice. Like freeze framing, watching everybody's reaction. I think one of the funniest parts about it is when uh when Issa shoots the baby, the way the way Lawrence yells out a large <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that shit was wild. And Issa's jump shot, her follow through smooth. We gotta work on her offhand, but her follow through smooth, like she really like she had that down. Dog. Um, and that, that fucking condola kick? Are you kidding me? Condola kick, like that was a classic. That was a classic insecure scene. It was. It was. Fuck that bitch and that baby. Yeah, yeah. The way <laughs> she stopped at Lawrence, the way she was laughing, walking away back down the hall, like everything about that scene was perfect. It was. Um, it was. I need that gift, like ASAP. I need that fuck them kids gift with her, with the you know shooting the baby. Right. I need that. I, I look don't even. That. I don't even think we could use any of the the memes, the Lion King Rafiki uh meme where he throws Simba in that random gift. We can't use that. Um, <laughs> the 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 old New Year's Eve um meme woman tossing yeah, yeah. that baby. We don't need that. Now we need the Issa tossing um Elijah. Yeah, that's gonna go. But when it's all said and done, when we look back on gifts years from now, like. That's going to be in the gift hall of fame. It's definitely going to be. In the you know what I mean? Head. It's going to be right up there with Weebay and The Wire. <laughs> the thinking gift. Yeah. Shout out to that. everybody that's never seen The Wire and they watched the first time and text me. And be like, I never knew it. That's where that meme came from. Shout out to all y'all. Um, let's see what we want to get into. How you want to do this, Rachel? Because there are a lot of conversations. I mean, we can we can flow how you want to flow. Why don't you lead this conversation? Let's Let's get into what you want to talk about. Okay, well, I mean, I don't want to do it as a complete breakdown, uh, scene by scene, but we can definitely start with um, the top of the episode with Issa uh, making sure that Molly's family is eating. And as a brother fucker, um, no. I felt, I felt no. Issa. So when Molly was like, girl, stop trying to fuck my brother, I cracked up because brothers be fine. Um. (laughs) (laughs) 
one of the few <laughs> things I didn't have in my notes, so I appreciate you covering that. Uh, <laughs> I do enjoy the, you know, the brotherly banter, like, you know, give me a hug for my wife and kids coming in here. Uh, and that's how they be. But yeah, I think you, I think you, um, you, you, you covered it. Shout yeah. out to Issa though for being a, like, that's like we said last week, elite level friendship. That's exactly. a friendship right there. Like that's not talking about it. Ain't no tweeting about it. Ain't no like posting, like, look what I'm doing for my friend. That's just genuine shit. Um, so shout out to Issa for that, for sure. And Absolutely. get right. In the detail and the complexity of the order, she didn't just get, go to the cafeteria and get like, the same thing for everybody. She got everybody's essentially favorite meal or their desired um, delicacy just so that they are feeling comfortable and eating is not something or another decision that they have to make in the hospital. That's dope as hell of her to show up and show up so intentionally while Molly is at her work conference. Um, yeah. And, and that, you know, like, that's there are certain things that you need in life and you really go through your phone, like, who can I call that or do that? Like, you know what I mean? Who can, and knowing that you have somebody or, you know, if you're blessed, a few people in your corner like that, that's such a big plus. So love to just see them at their top, you know, like I said, at the top of their friendship. I think we're right. in peak Molly and Issa right now. Right. And I, I love that. I, I will say that that is good to see. Um, because you'll see people say throughout the seasons that while, uh, Issa and Lawrence's relationship took um, priority. The real backbone of this show is Issa and Molly's relationship. So it is, although mm -hmm. I have been a Molly hater, it is good to see them in such a good place, despite us not really knowing how they got there. Right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're just happy to see it at this point. Um, speaking of Molly, let's just talk about Molly at the retreat. Okay. Which... Anybody who's been on a retreat of any uh, sport, um, the potential is limitless. I'll just leave it there. <laughs> Especially a corporate retreat where you're not paying for anything and the drinks are flowing. Um, yeah. The sky is the limit. Uh, I thought it was interesting that a couple things. I like that Molly gets along with her coworkers now. So it's good to see that and good to see that they can joke on her. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like when she says, were you that bad? It was a callback to uh, the previous episode when the nurse was like, oh, you're that kind of person. And everybody right now in Molly's life is clear on telling her that she was the worst. <laughs> right. You know, and I think the cool thing about that is the fact that they can tell her is because she's she's realizing it and she's open to it. And taking it in stride. Right, exactly, exactly. You know, you even think back to season one where they were getting on her in the hot tub. You know? Exactly, like, exactly. Molly could have never handled this, these kind of, like, jabs and stuff like that. But she's working on herself, and that's been really dope to see. Yeah, um, she definitely would have been offended. That was a highlight that I, I noticed as well that you just mentioned, the fact that she gets along with her coworkers. Because not every job or company is like that, uh, where you actually enjoy spending time with the people that you work with. Um so I think that's important. And she's just one of the, she's one of the crew. She finally, you know, found her voice. I think that's pretty dope. Yeah. Um, Before you go, I thought it was interesting still at that uh, table setting with BJ. Uh, clearly he maybe did have a little crush on Molly, but I thought it was interesting that everybody calls her, calls him BJ. Uh, whereas 
two seasons ago, he said he goes by Brandon now. Um, so everybody's very comfortable uh, in resorting to calling him back BJ. So even he, although not really a main or even sidebar character, uh, it's good to see him fitting into uh, the cast for whatever it's worth as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I, just going right into that, it's good to see the co-workers in a different light too. Mm-hmm. Like not Everybody's around them. Yeah, yeah. You look at these. I know we're going to talk about Tori in this episode, but <laughs> this was the first episode that I was like, all right, Tori and Tori might be a decent dude. Like, you know what I mean? Like Pops told me never trust a black man without a mustache, but <laughs> Tori might be cool. He might be cool. Tori might- and the turtle. And then literally this is the first episode since Molly went to that firm that I felt that way. So it, they did a really good job of showing everybody how it is at a retreat because you learn things about people that you wouldn't normally learn learn in the office. You kind of get some one-on-one time. And like you said, the drinks are flowing, conversations just happen. You open up a little bit more. Um, you really wake up like that after a night of drinking in your 30s. I don't know what Molly was doing. She was really wilding, but... Twerking. Yeah, like I still don't know how she got the watch. Listen, because it was Molly time. And she kept saying it. When you watch the video, um, I'm not sure if Torian hands it to her or she takes it because, again, it's Molly time. So she's big lit. And obviously she's drinking to not only have fun, but to let go of the stress of everything that's going on with her mom. So how she went overboard could 1,000% see and it definitely be believable. Because we know she a party girl anyway so couple that with a little extra stress and there's nothing you can do about it i'm not surprised at all about molly waking up in the hotel bed with skittles and torian's watch (laughs) and no recollection of the evening no recollection of anything really trying to put the pieces together um shout out to that face man shout out to yvonne orgy as far as like from an acting standpoint that that look she gave when she saw the video of herself that's how it is. When you find out you were on some wild shit the night before, uh-huh. like wild to the point, like, yo, I was really like bugging last night. That's the look you give. Yep. So, and y'all cool, but y'all ain't that cool. Yeah, it we still work. Like, damn, like I was <laughs> like, yeah, I've had moments like that. Opening day, 2017, whatever year it was, wild. And like the next day was like, yo, what the fuck was you on, Rich? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the worst type. But um, anyway, just shout out to Yvonne Orgy for that. Facial acting is one of my favorites, uh, as people that know me know. Um, I just think it's difficult acting, and when you pull it off well, it just makes the character that much more believable in what's going Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Expression goes a long way uh, besides vocal capacity, you know, truly emoting. Uh, it takes a lot, and it's not as easy as people would think. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Since we're talking about Molly and co-workers and everything, do you want to just go ahead and get into the Torian conversation right now? Yeah, let's jump right into it. Shout out to him. No doubt, no doubt. Um, Before we get into the work part of it and him just holding things down, did you cringe at the idea of Molly and Torian, or was that just me? I did not cringe at it. Okay. Um, That was a surprise for me because they did not like each other. Um, so vehemently in the previous season. Um, I actually don't mind it at all. I, I don't either at this point, but when it, when I first noticed that they're setting that up, I was like, oh, I don't do it. But the way they set up Tori's character this episode 
wasn't mad at it at all. It actually kind of reminded me low key about how we ended last episode. We're talking about you need a Derek, like one of those <laughs> things you don't, one of those things you don't think about, but when you see it, like oh, you know what? This actually could be something. You know what it I mean? Could be. Yep. I think that Torian is exactly what Molly needs, and he fits all of her uh criteria as far as we know. No kids. She know he has a good job and benefits. She knows he's educated where he works, his uh, personality, work ethic. So he checks all the boxes, essentially. And I mean, he's not ugly, ugly. So <laughs> I, I liked how genuine he was and how much he exactly. really cared about Molly. I mean, caring to the point, like, he don't know Molly like that. Like, they even mentioned it and touched on it. Like, I didn't even know you had a family. I know what <laughs> you're they, they said it. Like, we don't get personal, do we? Like, so... That kind of genuine care for somebody you really low-key don't know, you just see around and think you know, um, them showing that side of him, that was really dope. Like, you can tell he was concerned. And, like, even the fact – he delivered the line of the episode, in my opinion, where um, a reminder that all of us 30-somethings are working adults need to remember work can't matter more than real life. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know I wrote that down. Yeah, so – And that's real. And I think that we forget that. Um, especially in this current grind culture, hustle culture, you don't grind, you don't shine, you sleep when you're dead. Actually, no, I need all my rest. Um, and there are things that matter more than work, like your family, mm -hmm. your family, your health, you know, your mental, everything. So everything, all of that matters. And you know, I like the fact that he was able to open up, make her feel comfortable, share something about himself and just kind of slow down. And like I said, that all making them real and not just coworkers. Mm -hmm. That's what opened up the door for me to see them as, Oh, okay. Then like this could actually have some potential on top of the double, you know, when you get the double, uh, the double arm hug, baby, you know what I mean? <laughs> that's something different. That's you know definitely I mean? something different. Yeah, yeah, It was our first time seeing them be actually teammates we've seen them work together they've collaborated on projects but him holding her down during the presentation when she was very clearly distracted um that stood out because it also would have been a reflection on him had the presentation bombed but you know he didn't throw her under he still just held it he held it down so i appreciated it you know and, um, and so when they got back go ahead no i was gonna say just to add on to that you know, the way Torian's been introduced to us and we the way we've known him over the past couple of years, I wasn't even expecting that. He looked like he would have, like, gave her a look and really, you know, stuttered on her. Right, and he been really annoyed. Down, like, all right, then she ain't on her A-game. I know she better than that. Let's see what's really going on. Even joked about it later on, so that was, that was dope. I wasn't expecting him to be cool about it like that. Yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. Um, so shout out to him and his prayer hands earlier when they took that picture. <laughs> I, I didn't even peep that. I didn't even peep that. I was I like, okay, Torian. Um, his mom even had a mug. So shout his, out to <laughs> He's the perfect little bit of corny. Like, he's corny, but cool. And we yeah. we didn't see the cool um, in the previous season. So it's good to see that side of him. Um, and even when he gave Molly that a uh, double arm hug, that little pull, that slow pull back. Yeah, that, I, I I'm say. excited for what that do. <laughs> I'm curious to see. I'm curious to see. I mean, it's a it's a cool little setup. We know it I is. kind of 
barrier at some point because it's Molly, but you know. if next episode she's not riding his face, I don't know. I give it maybe two episodes. Yeah, speaking of riding, you know, <laughs> speaking of riding, shout out to Issa who yo, was uh handling that bear mountain. Uh, <laughs> listen, so <laughs> let me let me let me let me tell you how let me tell you how much I don't believe this Issa and Nathan shit, right? Baby, it like I don't so when when that scene came on right after the um you know the title shot of Insecure, mm-hmm. when that scene came on, my first thought was, damn, who Issa fucking? Like, cause I completely forgot about Nathan, cause I don't believe that shit. I didn't think who she fucking. No, I, I thought she was wow, fucking. she's working like, so hard. <laughs> yeah, I knew who she was fucking like after it registered, but it's it's like. <laughs> The fact that her and Nathan are a thing is so far out of my mind. Like, I really thought, like, oh, Issa just out here getting it in. I'm like, oh, shit, she is with Nathan, ain't she? That shit ain't, like... It's not. And I'm starting to think that the awkwardness with Issa and Nathan is intentional. Um, I'm starting to think that after this episode. After that scene alone. Um, and it takes me back to my point last week of when she told that nigga she loved him and now that she's seen Lawrence and that baby and didn't touch on it stalked his page to realize that he had in fact moved back shout out to house party yeah, yeah. well uh shout out to house party shout out to the culture garden check out our party episode yes. school what up um we'll talk about we'll talk about the ending scene later on but I do want to talk about barbershop etiquette Please, yeah, I, I have thoughts, but yeah. I will defer that to you as a, a patron of the barbershop. So I know I just mentioned Culture Garden. For those that don't know, me and my brother do a, a movie podcast about movies for the culture. We actually did a barbershop episode, and I touched on it in that. But the nicest barber in the shop is always the most frustrating. It's like a, it's, it's it's a it's a thing. I can't really describe it. Like the best barber I've ever had in my life, his name was Bobby. Nice as Clippers. Made me, I wanted to fight him so many times, you feel me? Because he just do ignorant shit. Like come 30 minutes late from my appointment and bring in food and he try to eat it in front of me. Like, like uh, Atlanta. <laughs> you feel me? Like that type shit. Like, yes, yeah, on some baby shit. But he was so nice with it. I'm talking about like a 10 steps above every other barber that you kind of let a lot of shit slide that you normally wouldn't in a situation. Now, this shit should have been pulling. That's a whole different level. Like, the way he's going about things. And look, when you feel disrespected, act accordingly. You get what I'm saying? I don't never want to tell anybody how to react to things when they feel disrespected. And it really is a thing. Like, I'm not a barber. I never have been. But as a customer, you know, like, I'm not letting somebody else touch my head. This is my consistent barber. I'll go a month without a haircut before letting somebody else cut me up. Like, that's just something you don't do. That's etiquette. And I'm sure it's the same in the shop. Like, why are you cutting my customer? He's been here. He's been coming to me for X amount of years. Like, don't touch my customer. It's just a genuine respect type of thing. What are your thoughts on that? Correct. Correct. Shout out to Sala because nobody else in there is touching my hair. Um, Unless I get braids and then my cousin Tasha does it. But digress. Um, I feel what you're saying, but if you want me to continue to come to you, then you're not going to waste an hour of my time BSing. 
Um, did Nathan cut both dudes' hair or just the one? And if you're that mad, if you're that concerned, Shug, then you would have been there on time um, and maybe 10 minutes late, maybe even 20. But 45 minutes to an hour with no communication, that's rude. I don't play with my time like that. Um, and he worried about uh, my girl think I'm cheating because I be here so long. Nigga, what the fuck are you doing? Uh, I don't appreciate that. Now, Nathan did not offer to cut the nigga's hair. Very good point. The nigga asked because, again, time is money and my time is being wasted as I'm sitting here. The other barber, I can't remember his name. He definitely gave a little look like I. Because, again, there are rules to that. Um, but Nathan didn't ask, hey, do you want me to get you? He hesitated even before accepting the cut because he knows that there is a culture in the barbershop. Um, and no matter how many times I've seen you in here, I don't know specifically what you like, uh, your lines to look like that. I don't cut your hair. I'm not your barber, you know? So I thought Shug was big tripping. Um, I understood him being frustrated, but also, nigga, what are you doing? And then when... um. Hunger was like, I cleaned your station three times last week. You're coming in, cutting and just dipping like, isn't Nathan part owner of the shop as well? So whether he was there at first, he bought in and y'all are partners. And this how you come in like, you're making everything look bad. So Nathan definitely had a point with that. This whole scene, um, it took me back to an episode of Blackish oddly enough, where um, Dre takes Junior to his barber and it's an older black man and then Junior in all his uh, eccentricness or eccentricity, I don't know, whichever one y'all decide, um, <laughs> does, <laughs> does not want to wait for the original barber. And so uh, King Kieran is the young, cool, hip dude. Uh, and Junior starts going to him. And Dre gets into the, you know, barbershop culture. You don't let somebody else cut your hair. This, that, and the third. So I know that that is a thing. Um, but Shug was tripping to me. First off, I'm about to whoop your ass. Because I definitely don't have your rent money. Fuck you. Um, Yo, like, <laughs> yeah. Keep going. And my name is bitch. My name is Nathan. So you're intentionally disrespecting me by calling me Nate and Nathaniel when he don't go by Nate. He literally goes by long, boring ass Nathan. Um, you call this man out his name, nigga. You want to fight? And then not to mention throwing the crazy, soft, um, bipolar shit in his face. Like you want me to whoop your ass? I didn't feel how, um. Nobody else shut that shit down. Like, they kind of calmed Nathan down. Nah, nigga, calm that nigga down. He don't know how to act. He disrespectful, clearly. Yeah, so very well said on everything. I, I mean, I agree 100% with everything you said. Um, it, it is a unique situation, like, mainly because it, the character, I mean, not the character, excuse me, the customer deliberately said, somebody got to get me together. That's it. Like, somebody got to get me or I'm out. You know what I mean? Now, probably should have still let that customer walk and just called it a day. 
and you know talked about sure talked about it to Suge later. Like because and the way I look at it is like this: if Suge would have walked in mid cut, that would have been a big situation. Like you know what I mean? So it's just but not bringing that. We said what? But he didn't. I know, I know, I get it. <laughs> That's not even worth bringing it up. But I, I will agree a thousand percent on what you were saying about the way he's speaking to me as a like man to man, nigga. Like the way you coming at me, the way you speaking to me, the way you calling me out my name, the way you coming at my, you know, when you share intimate, and who knows how she'll find out about Nate's, you know, being bipolar or whatever the case is. We don't know how that information was, you know, led to him, but throwing that in his face. And that's one thing I have been enjoying with Insecure. They've kind of been showing, you know, subtle things that Nate deals with in regards to him being bipolar mm-hmm. um, and letting how it feels, letting people know things about you and them throwing it in your face. Uh, Nathan really has to think about his mental health. Like he he genuinely, we all do, and we all take it seriously, but he yeah. genuinely and medically has to take into account what he would do in certain situations if he's triggered. Like, the first time we met Nathan, he was whooping the nigga ass in the party lift. Yep. You know what yep. I mean? So you know he got it in him. Yeah, so it's not even about, like, he a sucker or he a punk. Like, but... it he just calling him soft and all that shit. Nigga, I whoop your ass. Yeah, yeah, it really takes a different side of things. Like, damn, I really got to think about, you know, what I'm going to do before I react. I got a business with this person and the whole nine. But either way, that's a nice thing to say, and that's the right thing to say. Should needed his ass whoops. That's just what it comes down to. You ain't about to, nah, bro. Like, nah, I'm not gonna be able to sleep that night if I let you slide that off on me and I didn't do nothing about it. Nigga, fuck all that. So uh, that's gonna be curious. I'm I'm very interested to see. I know I feel I feel like I said it all the time, but I really want to see how that plays out. I want to see if there that conversation is revisited. If should maybe apologizes, he don't take. You know, I don't, I don't see a nigga that eat. Dominoes that fell on the beach and apologizing, <laughs> Nick. But I'm interested to see how it goes. And for everybody listening, I need Risha's IG handle like, in real life. I appreciate y'all in advance. I, I'm sure if you jump on the bird, you'll find it. Yeah, I need that. I'm, <laughs> uh, yeah, I might be on top of it by the time we record again. Um, did you have anything else to, to say about that? Um, I really didn't. I hope that somebody talks to him there after the fact because he was definitely out of control and that passive aggressive shit with his actual customer. No, I wouldn't want you to wait or something like that. Nigga, shut the fuck up. Oh, he was talking about he was going to bring in Wu-Tang so everybody could eat. Now you're going to do it by yourself. Yeah, that's some lame shit. And You're like lame. You touched on it, but the dude that Molly was, was on an episode or two ago. Uh-huh. That's the dude that was, you know, acting like a sucker pretty much anytime Suge's name got mentioned. I understand, like, hey, Suge bring it. Nah, bro. Like, there's a respect. I don't care who you bring in this barbershop. We all men. We all adults. You know, Risha is a woman, obviously, but we all adults. We ain't about to talk to us no type of way. I don't give a fuck about none of that. So the way he nutted up every single time and kind of stood up for Suge, that was some sucker shit. It was lame. Yeah. A, a Kim? I think that was his name. Yeah, all right. Whatever. All right. Whatever. Mm. Yeah, that shit's lame. All they all corny. I didn't like that. And that holding Nathan back. I didn't care for that neither because Nathan wasn't disrespectful. I mean, what did he say? Like, shut your whining ass up. But he ain't yeah. calling a bitch. He didn't do too much. Like, that nigga was whining. And while he had a point, like, don't cut my clients. 
you're doing too much. You're not that mad because if you cared that much, again, you would not have been 45 minutes to an hour plus late when you know that you have um clients booked. It's disrespectful without saying anything like, nigga, I'll never come back to you. You're disrespecting me because my time is money. <laughs> my time is important. <laughs> You got uh, me fucked up. Nah, fuck him. <laughs> nah, sure. That that needs to be. Yeah, that needs to be. It be them shoots. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Issa and the block combined with Crenshaw. Let's wow. get into the Issa portion of this episode. Let's kind of really deep dive into what was going on in her life. Um, we think things are going well with her. Or excuse yeah. me, with the block, should I say. Um, the Art Walk is featured in the L.A. Magazine calendar. Mm-hmm. They're meeting with Anthology Collective. You know, Easton Koya, you know, tag team champions of the world. Shout out to Koya. And they quickly realize that Crenshaw's name rings out in these streets. Because as soon as they realize that Issa was involved with Crenshaw's performance or the art show, they, they immediately... Yeah, they fell back ASAP. And let her know, like, you might not be what we're looking for. Like, so the words out, like, this is not for the people. This is not for the community. And I don't like that. What do you, I'll let you take the lead on this one. I have some thoughts on it. But the way Crenshaw is approaching this and I, the conversation between Crenshaw and Issa this episode, what are your overall thoughts on it? I think that Crenshaw is doing too fucking much. Okay. Um, we noted Issa was wrong. She was wrong. She asked him to take out every single thing, almost everything that would have made the performance spectacular. Okay. He went rogue and did what the fuck he wanted to do anyways. It didn't backfire. It could have. And here is the reality of the situation. And whatever field that you are in, You don't have to completely sell out. That is not what I'm saying. So hear me clearly. There is a certain level of the game that you have to play. Period. You can do it. You can be your authentic self. But you have to learn to navigate how to do that and still play their game. Because that's the way of the world. It is what it is. Um, Issa should have apologized. He had a point like, Instead of apologizing, you jumped in my DMs on the bullshit, and that was foul. And you know that you're trying to take her down, but nigga, you're not that mad. (laughs) I'm sorry, you're not that mad. I don't think Issa lacks integrity. So the passive-aggressive shit with the shirt, that fucking tie-dye, um... It, I don't want to say it wasn't that deep, but I definitely think he's overreacting. And here's the reality of the situation. No matter what came about, had you not have done the NBW art show, you would not have the success that you're seeing as a result of that. So you can't act like um, this was of absolutely no benefit to you. And literally, you're low-key throwing a tantrum. So let me ask you a question based off something you just said. 
you mentioned that Crenshaw wouldn't be where he is without the JBW or the MBW. I forget the water company's name, but mm-hmm. uh, without that look, I agree. But if he went with how they wanted him to do things, you can also say he wouldn't be where he is either. Like with the people that came out and the way it really rung out, he it rung out because he did it his way. He didn't listen to anybody's notes or take their notes and, you know, go against what his gut was. So part of the success is the fact that he did it. They, they didn't see it. Like, they had a whole different show. Like, right. So, you know, that's that's something I, I can say in Crenshaw's defense. Look, I I hate that Crenshaw isn't easing up on Issa. Like, I really – it really bothers me. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I can understand why he isn't. Here's one. Here's the biggest issue I have with Issa right now when it comes to this situation. She hasn't been genuine about her intentions at all. And what I mean is, she had she didn't come to Crenshaw just to say, "Hey, I don't want no bad blood." Like I still respect you, I respect what you do. Like I know things didn't go well, but let's hash it out. Let's talk it out. She went because when she went to go pitch her art walk, she got shot down because Crenshaw's name rings out. So she, like you know, Crenshaw caught her out on it. You must need something. Like, yeah. that's why she did it. She's yet to come and, be, and that's his whole beef. Like, you're not being, like, when we chopped it up and we really felt like we were in the trenches together, as he mentioned this episode, like, I really felt you were there for me. And ever since then, you never really came out and been your authentic self. And Issa's, the only way she's going to fix this, and you, what you said about it was perfect. Like, you got to play the game at some point. Like, you can play it your way, but you're going to play the game. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, one way or another when you get to a certain level. Um Issa's going to, and I think we're going to see this, at some point she's going to figure out who she wants to represent and speak for. And is that going to be, is her work going to be more important or is the pop, her pocket going to be more important? And, and for real, for real, I'm not mad at Issa either way. But she, right. can't, you know, I can't knock her for whatever decision, decision she makes, but she's going to have to stay on whatever side it is that she picks. She got to stay that way. You know yep. I mean? And that's a decision that we all have to uh, make essentially in life. Yeah, ain't no flip-flopping. You you stay over there. Stay with your people. Like, shout out to Avon. What I tell you about playing them fucking away games. Like, do what you're going to do. Um, but I ain't mad at her with whatever one she do. So, and, and that's the overall theme of the episode. You know, you make your own choices. Own them. Krishan told her that. Um, shout out to the Integrity you- Hoodie. <laughs> shout out to that hoodie. Anything else you want to discuss with Issa and Krishan? Uh, I hope that they reconcile. I do think we're seeing a little bit of old Issa with the lack of accountability. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just a little bit. So we see her shine uh, in a friendship era area. But um, the accountability is struggling just a little bit here. So I think they're both wrong. Yeah, and like um, anything, you got there's got to be some give and take. Like, I, I understand you upset, Krishan, but ease up some, man. Here are I- Exactly. And here's the other part to that. There's going to be other things. And while uh, the cult, the collective may have a uh, press pause on Issa, there are other people who won't. So you don't want to miss your opportunity or cause other people to miss potentially good things because you haven't ought, no matter how um, righteous it is, you know. Right. So I don't know. They need to pause, and I hope that they, uh, in the coming episodes, I mean, since we're here, they have to, to close that, to fix that beef. 
Yeah, I think it's gonna be all. It's all gonna work out by the time it's all said and done. But they definitely got some work to do. And I, like I said, I think it starts with Issa taking that accountability, as you just mentioned. So we'll we'll, we'll keep we'll stay tuned on that. Oh, man, we're just rolling <laughs> right on to the theme. Let's get into the the bulk of things. Let's get right into it. Um, rolling on with the things of the choices you make. We see for the first time that Issa in her love life. Is second guessing. I don't even know what to call it second guessing because listen, life is fluid. Feelings are fluid. All that shit. That shit can change moment by moment, day by day. Right. Mm-hmm. It is no surprise if Issa felt a way. Obviously, months after finding out that the love of her life is having a child by somebody else, if she said, "Just hey, I don't want to go through this. This is something I'm prepared for at this moment." Completely did. normal that a year later, however long later. She looks at this and say, damn, did I make the right decision? She made the right decision for herself at that moment, but now she's looking at it from the larger perspective. Like, is there still an opportunity for Lawrence? We finally get that, what we kind of known all season. I told you. But we finally <laughs> get it. And I, I still don't think that ends that way. At this moment, at least, I don't think it, but at least we know each of the characters. Like, huh, let's see what's going on. And obviously, Nathan plays a role into that because you said it perfectly earlier. She don't even want that. You don't even I'm... want that nutty nigga. <laughs> 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 she doesn't even want him. Um, and it's interesting because it was good. It worked for old Issa um, who was more all over the place and didn't know what she wanted. Um but this Issa, Nathan was like a consolation prize. And I 1,000% do not want them together. And I don't know why we're forcing it. Um, I didn't like how he came at her in their closing discussion. But yeah. he had a point. One day, we homies. Then you crying in my mouth about that old nigga. Then you tell me that you want to be with me. But you want to take it slow, like we didn't fuck on a Ferris wheel on a second date. Um, and now you tell me you love me. Like, I can't, what you doing? You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know what you want. So I feel him approaching that with trepidation because, again, he has his own issues. But mm, you ain't keeping it all the way real neither. So I, I don't know. And we're seeing Nathan be a flake again. Because, like I said last week, he's a runner. So now, now LA ain't for you. Now you want to quit the barbershop. Although I don't know if I can work with people who are so disrespectful to me. Um, but you got to leave LA. You can't cut somewhere else. You can't yeah, start no other shit. Like you're gonna wild. move all the way back to Houston. Like what you want, nigga? Yeah, that's that's wild shit. And this is the second conversation along with Crenshaw's where. I really wish both of them would have approached it differently, but I wasn't upset with what they said. I get, you know, you just said it perfectly. The Issa is all over the place. Um, and Nathan had every right to point that out, but it takes two people to have a conversation. You knew right away that he was, he had no interest in having that conversation with Issa. Nope. He goes right into what you just said. He has a history of bailing out. He's bailing out from the conversation at this moment. He doesn't want to face what's in front of him. That's not a conversation you can table. Like, you might be able to table it, like, all right, let's talk about this in the morning. Like, when it's not, like, we're not so emotionally charged about it. 
you can't just sit there and ignore it just that way he ignored the I love you. Like exactly. at what some point, exactly? even mentally, you gotta know that's gonna come up. Like she's not gonna let that slide. And you pick it up on the hints, you just intentionally not not paying attention to him. Intentionally being willfully obtuse. You know that she's fishing and you don't care. So yeah. so why are you even like what you want? Yeah, why are you even with me? It's deflecting. And that's really, man, that's really one of like the foundational like pieces that you have to have in any kind of relationship, the ability to communicate. And not only that, give each other space to be comfortable when they communicate, and, you know, especially the bad shit or, or the difficult shit. Right. Uh, you know, that, that's important. And if you can't do that, like if you can't open up and talk about how you feeling or at least have enough to say, I don't feel like talking about this right now. Can we do this tomorrow? Like at least say that. Like if you can't do that, then what's like you said, what are we doing? What's the point? At that point, at that point in their life, at that stage, it's like they roommates. That's what they look like at the end of the episode. They look like they yep. roommates, even though they don't yep. live together. So it's like, all right, this, like I said, this shit ain't real. But did you notice? So he noticed that something was wrong with Issa first. You know, she starts off saying, "You know, it's just I'm stressed. It's just some stupid work shit." You know, so she explains that, and then when she asks him, "Is he good?" Eh. He doesn't really say anything until she gets defensive. You know, he said, you know, I don't know if this cutting shit for me. Um, I don't know if L.A. is for me. And then he goes, so you ain't going to ask me what's wrong? Nigga, you're only getting defensive and asking me if I'm going to ask you because she deflected. Not she did not she deflected, but. Because when she questioned his decision making, like, wait, what? What are you talking about? So now you want to say, you're not going to ask me what's wrong, nigga. You had an opening when I asked you what's going on with you. And your response is, I don't know if this shit for me. You can't trust motherfuckers. Nigga, you can't trust anybody anywhere. Get you a solid (laughs) group. Who's to say that that very same scenario doesn't happen in Houston, happen in Atlanta, Vegas? wherever the fuck you would consider moving, like everywhere you go, there you are. So what you going to do with it? Yeah, absolutely. And not to mention my nigga, you just hit her with the, she hit you with the, I love her. You hit her with the, I'm thinking about leaving LA. Like how you think she she ain't about to sit there and ask you like why you feel that way. Like that's a bomb. Like, come on, man. Don't, like I said, it takes two to have a conversation. Nathan doesn't have any interest in it. Um, He's not showing that he wants to fix anything. I don't, I don't, I don't see, I don't, I don't believe, I know we talk about the whole, how we view it. I don't think Nathan wants to really be in a relationship. It sounds good. You know what I mean? But I don't think he wants that. And you can just tell by the way he's handling this situation. Yeah. And like I said last week, yeah, I'll come show for you around. I'll be your friend. We've been friends, you know? And so before I'm going above and beyond to show you that I'm in it, but now I ain't really doing anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just going really to fade out. Anything, you know? Yeah, it's going to fade out. I mean, obviously, the, the opening is there. We know Lawrence is back. We know Issa knows that Lawrence is back. Um, now, the one thing that is interesting, um, as we get, we you know, we can obviously touch on the second dream sequence a little bit, just because that was comedy as well. Like, that, that was probably the second funniest scene of the season for me. Um, everything about that was hilarious. It's not the mall arena he picked out for you. He has a new job where he makes about a <laughs> month. Like, loved everything about that scene. But we find out that Issa 
Dolar together. Yes. He doesn't know that part of it yet. So I, I I'm I I know that Issa tweeted, the real Issa, um, Issa Ray, not Issa D, tweeted that the last four episodes are her favorite. I saw that. And we obviously haven't gotten a lot of Lawrence since the Lawrence Condola episode. That's for a reason. They're going to jam-pad these next four episodes with a lot to really wrap this up. I, I have full faith, as I've been saying, that they're going to get this like going. And I think this was the first episode of that. This is the first episode of the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. I think we can both say it's the most insecure episode this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we're going to flow right into it. And I think each episode is going to get better. I think around episode eight or nine, we're going to be like, what the fuck? And it's going to wrap it up pretty nicely. So I'm excited. I'm excited about these next four. I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in seeing what they have cooked up for us. I think that Lawrence and Condola are going to try. I don't think it works, but I think they're going to try. Whoa. I didn't even, I did, that didn't even cross my mind. Okay. Yeah. He, moved I like back. That he probably moves in for convenience sake. Um, everybody want to make their family work. You gonna try it? Facts. Good point. Good point. Good point. It ain't gonna work, but they gonna try. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. Uh, it is good to say, or you know, uh, important to say that the end of that episode. How do we make this work? They were calm. They were collected. They sounded like they wanted to figure out. You know, they did everything the opposite of what Issa and Nathan did this episode. How can we make this work? You know, at least let's talk about it. Um, so that is the last time we saw him. So you could be right. I never thought about it, but it makes sense if it happens. I'm willing to put money on it. I'm not because <laughs> I broke it down like it makes sense. I'm like actually upset that I didn't even think about it. Hey, uh, probably because I, know I, I how the cage bird sings. Yeah, probably because I just automatically thought like I already knew like they're not going to end up together. Yeah, no, they're definitely not. <laughs> they're definitely I don't know not. if I'm. Yeah, I don't know. What do you think? This is your favorite episode this season? Oh, no. Uh, episode three is my favorite episode. Still episode three. All right. This is it's my still episode three. Yeah. But I'll episode. make this a, this is a strong two. Yeah, this is a strong two for me. Episode three was mine. This is a strong two. Like I said, the most insecure episode that we got in this season. I think a lot of people are getting more excited for the latter half of the season. It's, um, I, the reviews are torn on the bird. I see oh, a lot of people saying the- that the season has lost them. I think that if you're a real insecure fan, um, you can you can you can still enjoy it. I think it, it has been a little bit odd, but I don't even want to get into the conversation because I thought about this earlier and I'm like, man, I've had like numerous times of watching these seasons as a whole, as a collective story. I don't want to start comparing this yet and really talking about how I feel until I finish it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure and we'll probably do a rewatch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And probably do a rewatch and things like that. So I want to give it a fair shake. You know, I wasn't doing this and we weren't doing this to other seasons in real time because they all connected. But I see what they're doing. I understand it. I'm excited about these next four episodes. We'll see where it goes from there. I'm very excited, especially because of Issa's tweet and what you just said. I think that we're going to be in for um, a wild ride uh, uh, wrapping it up. I'm eager. Um, I want to see what's going on. I low-key even want to see how uh condola and tiffany's relationship is uh we do in the preview we do see tiffany um 
and Kelly next week. Uh, we have not seen them all. Where is my nigga? Haven't seen them at all. Matter of fact, have we seen um have we seen Mary Issa? I know we got Stanford Issa, like Stanford Mary Issa, but we have have we seen like bars? We in- have not seen Mirror Bitch. No, yeah, we ain't seen no bar. We haven't heard any bars this season. We ain't heard no bars. Damn, no show within the show, no bars. All right, man. Maybe I see why people out on this season. <laughs> nah, we fuck with y'all insecure. No, we love y'all. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm eager to see what they do with what we have coming up. Yeah. Any predictions? Um, I think that no, I don't. Nope. I'm not even about to do it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I want to give a prediction on Issa and Lawrence. I don't think they're together. I think Issa rides this one out. I think the see I think the series ends with Issa like really just I don't know. I'm, we're not doing this conversation. Um, <laughs> yeah. What about you? Nope. I'll I'll pause. Yeah, we'll, I'll, we'll pause. I'll I'm not. We're about to get into another hour. <laughs> right, cool. Um, I think that's it. Looking forward to seeing y'all. We will definitely be back next Monday. Or excuse me, we record on Monday. We'll be back next Tuesday with a new yes. episode. Um, continue to give us your feedback. Hit us up on Twitter, Texas. Hit up, up hit us up on Instagram. Um, you'll see our handles in the episode description. Continue to like, listen, subscribe, and share. Y'all yes. be cool. How y'all be cool. Peace. We love you.